everybody to another episode of the House of Ballers podcast. I am, of course, your host from Katie. And guys, we have so many things to talk about this week. Oh my goodness, so much has been going on. We got a winner for the 2020 Heisman Trophy and why it's surprising to me at least. My thoughts and predictions for Super Wild Card Weekend, six games in two days, going to be a lot of fun. And a big trade coming from across the East River. And my prediction for the National Championship. So, without further ado, let's get right into things. I'm not wasting any time for you guys today. And your winner for the 2020 Heisman Trophy is Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith. He's the first receiver to win the Heisman since Michigan's Desmond Howard in 1991. His stats pre-national championship are 105 catches, 1,641 yards receiving, and 20 touchdowns. All of these numbers led the FBS this year. Now, why is it surprising to me? In order to prove my point, let's look at two other Heisman nominees, Kyle Trask and Mac Jones. They have a combined 8,319 yards, 79 touchdowns, and an average completion completion percentage of 72.5. And yet they only compiled uh, like below 2,000 votes between them. I mean, with all due respect to Smith, these two guys should have definitely been in the conversation to win. Oh, and one more thing. I know I said this last episode, but where has Alabama running back Najee Harris been in all these talks? He's had uh, 1,387 yards rushing, 6.1 yards per carry, and 24 touchdowns. And that's just the tip of the iceberg because he can catch two. He had 346 yards receiving and three touchdowns. Just like Smith and Jones, he isn't even done yet because the national championship on Monday uh, when Bama faced Justin Fields in Ohio State, which we'll get into later. But first, here are my predictions for Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. First up, we have the Indianapolis Colts going up against the Buffalo Bills Saturday at 105 Eastern on CBS. I'm, re- I'm actually recording on Saturday, so it'll be today. Uh, so this will be the first game where Bills fans, especially Bills Mafia, will be attending a game this year. And you better believe they'll be going crazy for their team to win a playoff game. But let me talk about the players for a second. First, the quarterback, Josh Allen. He, he had 4,544 passing yards, which is fifth in the league. 37 TDs, also fifth in the league. And a 69.2 completion percentage, which is fourth in the league. Oh, and the cherry on top is that the man has a Pro Bowl appearance this year. I've been telling you guys all year that this man is going to be special. And what did I tell you? Now, let me tell you about another Pro Bowler Bills player by the name of Stefan Diggs. Throughout his five-year career in the NFL, he's, he's steadily been climbing up the steep mountain to fame, and this season he's reached the peak. Diggs had 127 catches for 1,535 yards, which both led the league, along with nine touchdowns. Even with the Bills' defense that's ninth in the league in interceptions with 15, you don't want to face this squad. However, you don't. However, you also don't want to face the Indianapolis Colts either. The last time they were 11 and 5 was in 2014, when Andrew Luck, yes, Andrew Luck, the man who retired early, threw for 40 touchdowns. I mean, say what you want about Rivers, but the man is a potential Hall of Famer if he's getting these kind of numbers. An underrated thing about this team, though, is their rushing attack. The rookie out of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor posted a thousand yard rushing year along with 11 touchdowns. The one thing that they need to that, that they need to work on is the receiving core. 
Their top two receivers, Zach Paschal and T.Y. Hilton, combined for 1,391 yards and only 10 touchdowns. For the Colts to win this game, Rivers needs to spread the wealth to those two and others. I and, I and I don't think that they'll do that because I got the Bills winning this one and moving on to the next round. Next up, at 440 Eastern on Fox on Saturday, we got the Rams versus the Seahawks. And as of uh, right now, Jared Goff is questionable to play this game, so we'll see if former financial professional John Wolford will, can take the reins of this offense once again. Hey, uh, I think McVay is going to announce the quarterback sooner rather than later, so I may be wrong about Jared Goff. I may be right about um, Jared Goff being out and Wolford coming in. So, again, we'll see what happens. Last week, Wolford sliced and diced my Cardinals, which I'm, of course, not happy about, but that's neither here nor there. Even though their offense hasn't been up to par, their defense has been what's carrying them to a playoff spot, to be fair. They are second in the league in sacks with 53 and in turnovers with 27. On the other side, the Seahawks had a very interesting year. Russell Wilson was looking like a lock for an MVP pick early, but then his stock dropped like crazy. His final stats for the regular season, 4,212 yards, 40 touchdowns, a 68.8 completion percentage, and 13 interceptions. I thought he would have lower than that, but eesh, that's not good. But one guy that remained consistent throughout the year was wide receiver DK Metcalf. His final stats of the regular season, 83 catches, uh, 1,303 yards, 15.7 yards per catch, and 10 touchdowns. And on top of that, I think he, I think he has a Pro Bowl appearance this year as well. Honestly, I don't see the Rams winning this game because the Seahawks are way more well-rounded. Way more well-rounded. So give me the Hawks to win this one. Finally, at A15, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going going up against the Washington football team. The big storyline coming from this game was rookie Chase Young exclaiming that he was ready for Tom Brady running off the sidelines uh, of Lincoln Financial Field last week. I mean, for a rookie to have that amount of confidence going into a playoff game shows a lot, but there is a price to pay with that. That's because both head coaches on both teams condemn what Chase Young said. Young's head coach, Ron Rivera, said that there was going to be, bull be bulletin board material. The opposing head coach for the Buccaneers, Bruce Arians, said this, You better watch what you wish for. And even though Young is going to be a pro bowler and had 7.5 sacks this year, he's going up against a really, really high-powered offense. I mean, of course you have Brady doing Brady-like things. They're running back Ronald Jones II, having his best season of his career by far, with 978 yards and 7 touchdowns. And he ran for like 98 yards on one run, which is insane to me. And their wide receiver core is probably one of the best in football. I mean, you have Mike Evans, who just had, had his record setting 7th straight, 1,000-yard receiving year this year. Uh, you have guys like Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown, all that kind of stuff. But, however, Mike Evans will play in that game. So, those guys that just mentioned, Godwin, A.B., Scotty Miller, they really need to step up in this game in order for them to win. Also, they have one of the best defenses in football, at least in my opinion. Uh, they, they're fifth in the league when it comes to turnovers and sacks, uh, turnovers with 25 and sacks with 48. Because of all of those components, give me the Bucks to win this one. Now, our first game on Sunday at 105 on ESPN is the Ravens versus the Titans. Now, there there are a couple games on Sunday that are going to be toss-up games, and this is one of them. Now, last time they met, things got really chippy early on in the game. The, the Titans came out for warm-ups and congregated near the 50-yard line of MNT Bank Stadium, where the Ravens call home. 
and they weren't really happy about, about, about that in the slightest. Soon after, everyone, even the coaches, were barking at each other. So you could probably tell the Ravens are going to try their best to get revenge on the Titans, not just in the regular season, but in last year's playoffs when Derrick Henry ran all, ran all over their defense. And one guy to watch in this game is guess who? Derrick Henry. The man ran for a combined 328 yards against the Ravens in the last two matchups, and he reached 2,000 total rushing yards this year, making him a probable MVP candidate. But quarterback Ryan Tannehill and wide receiver A.J. Brown also are guys that you may need to keep your eye out for this one. First, let's start with Tannehill. Last year, he resurrected his career with the Titans, throwing for 2,742 yards and 22 touchdowns in just 10 games that he started. This year was more of the same from last year, but it was just a bit better. He threw for 3,189 yards and 33 touchdowns and had a 65.5 completion percentage. His longest completed pass was for 75 yards, so you know he can hit that defense with a deep ball if he wants to. Now, on to A.J. Brown. His rookie year was great, but his second season was fantastic. He had 70 catches with 1,075 yards and 11 touchdowns and is a pro bowler for the first time in his career. Uh, over to the Ravens side now, I mean, they just, look, they just look like a glorified Rams. Their offense seems weighed down because Lamar Jackson had a met year even though he had um, his second straight year of 1,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards. Uh, and their receiving core didn't really help out as well. I mean, I, I get how John Harbaugh likes to use all of his weapons if he needs it, but I just it just doesn't look good. Uh, but the defense was what had them rolling. Two players in particular was Pro Bowl cornerback cor Marlon Humphrey and the other cornerback Marcus Peters. Humphrey had eight forced fumbles and Peters had uh, four interceptions, which they which they both led the team in, in those categories. To lock down A.J. Brown and others, they need to step up, with, uh, which I think they won't do, in my opinion, because I got the Titans winning this one. Now, next up, we have the Bears versus the Saints. And the only thing I got to say about this is, why are the Bears in the playoffs? Yes, they were 5-1 in their first six games, but they were 3-7 and seven the rest of the way. The Saints are too good right now, and I mean when Alva Kamara scores six touchdowns in one game, you know the man's going to do his thing this game, so I obviously got the Saints winning this one. Uh, now, this is the second toss-up game I was just talking about, the Browns versus the Steelers. Uh, like I said, in my opinion, this game is probably one of the more toss-up games you can predict. The one factor in me picking this game is a guy by the name of Kevin Stefanski. In case you didn't know, he's my pick for coach of the year. I mean, the way he's led this team from a, from a mediocre coaching staff with Freddie Kitchens and others with a record of 6-10 and 10 last year, to suddenly flip that and go to 11-5 and five in their next year with Kevin Stefanski. I mean, the man has to get some type of props for that. Like, he needs to get coach of the year this year. However, he did test positive for COVID-19 a couple days ago. Uh, so with him not coaching this game, I got the Steelers winning this one. If he was coaching, though, I would have picked the Browns 100% because the Steelers have been struggling like crazy since their 11-0 start. But since he's not really coaching and Big Ben's be, uh, Big Ben's been rested for a week, I just think he they're ready to seize the moment and uh, take back their uh, their struggles. Now shifting from the Super Wild Card Weekend to a crazy trade in the majors, we got Francisco Lindor 
and Carlos Carrasco from the Indians go into the Mets in exchange for Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green. Now, I'll break down both packages and give you my grade for each of them. First, let's start off with the Indians. Andres Jimenez was a top prospect in the Mets system and got called up to the senior team last year. He had, in, in that time frame, he had a 263 average, or 263 average, three homers, 12 RBIs, a 732 OPS, and a 102 OPS plus, which is kind of like OPS, but it kind of like uses the ballparks dimensions. It's a whole thing. Basically, he was an average contact hitter this year. And in the Mets system, he was a number two prospect, so there still is a lot of potential in this kid. Next is Ahmed Rosario. I feel like he took a step back from last year and has been kind of mediocre ever since he got called up to the big dance. Over his career, he's had a 268 average, 32 homers, 148 RBIs, a 705 OPS, and a 91 OPS+. plus. So about the average OPS plus is about 100, so he's kind of a below average hitter who's really bad at defense also with a minus 35 defensive run saved. That means, like, if, if, you're, if, if you're playing shortstop, for example, and you're on defense, um, you're, 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 you're losing 35 runs, or you're allowing 35 runs when Ahmed Rosario is on the field, which is not that great over the course of your career. The, the first two guys are meh. Like, the MNS has potential and Rosario doesn't. But these next two guys have have like legit potential, in my opinion, at least. And both were top prospects in the Mets system. And both of them were both 9 and 10 on their ranking list. Number 9 is John Wolf, uh, Josh Wolf, not John Wolf, <laughs> in five games with the Mets Gulf Coast League team in 2019. He had a 3.38 ERA and a 13.5 strikeouts per nine. However, he did have a whopping 10.1 hits per nine, which isn't good at all. But when I saw his highlights, he looks promising. He has a great fastball curveball off-speed combination. He rarely throws the off-speed more. more he, he throws the fastball and curveball more. His fastball goes up to about 92. The curve can go as, uh, to, to low 70s, and the changeup is high 70s. The only thing I the thing the only thing I will critique him on is his windup. I like it all the way up until right before he lets go of the ball when those arms get like kind of clunky and like chicken wings kind of almost like the Braves pitcher Stephen Wright, Steve Wright, whatever his name is. Like you know how like his his elbows kind of like prop up. That's kind of like what Josh Wolf does. I think I think it could be easily fixed with those pitching coaches down in the minors. But I feel like he has some legit potential. And another kid that has really good potential, in my opinion, is Isaiah Green. Since he got drafted in 2020, uh, he wasn't able to go to the minors, but go into the alternate site for the Mets. But I will, I, but I will critique him based off of film. And from what I've seen, he's had a strong out, a strong arm out in center. His swing is pretty good, and the ball jumps off his bat. And out of these four players, I, th- I think the guys that have most promise are Green, Jimenez, and Wolf. And because of that, I'll give the Indians a B. Now, on to the Mets side, I mean, they just got, oh my goodness, they just got a whole lot better. Like, when I saw this trade at first, I was like, oh my god. Like, I, like as a Yankees fan, I was like, they are going to beat us so bad in the Subway Series. Like, I guarantee you, the Subway Series is about to get so, like, much, so much more, like, testy and, uh, like, a rivalry is going to bash like the 2000s like early early 2000s all that like i just 
honestly, the only thing I'm excited about as a Yankees fan for this trade is just people seeing the Subway Series more often now that the Mets got really good players and the Yankees are going to probably be one of the best teams in the AL East and in the AL itself. So I feel like that's going to be a lot of fun. But anyway, let's just talk about the Mets. They just got a whole lot better now that they got Steve Cohen at the ownership and he's trying to make so many moves. Yes, Lindor had a really bad year in 2020, but take a look at his numbers from 2016 to 2019. Over that time frame, he has he has a 284 average, 118 home runs, 333 RBIs, an OPS of about 841, and an 18 a 118 OPS plus, and a 23.6 WAR. Along with that, he's made four All-Star appearances, been voted into the top 15 of the MVP voting all four years, and two two Silver Sluggers and two Gold Gloves. I mean, what else do I have to say about this kid other than the fact that I hope he bounces back from 2020, which he'll most likely do? Speaking of guys from bouncing back, Carlos Cookie Carrasco is in this deal as well. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, he battled leukemia for most of 2019 and was able to beat it. So, I mean, kudos to him on that. In 2020, he had a 291, uh, yeah, 2.91 ERA and a, and, a, and a near 11 strikeouts per nine in 12 games. If I were to give the Mets a grade, it would be an A plus easily. I mean, when you when you trade for an immediate franchise player who could be a lockdown everyday guy at shortstop and a four or five guy in the ro- in the back of your rotation on top of that. You're going to be set for, I don't know, five, six, seven years, however long they lock up Lindor for. So I, I'm i just I'm just kind of like almost starstruck at the fact that the Mets have just like the best owner in baseball right now. Like, I'm just like, oh, my God, I really I really, really want Hal Steinbrenner to be like Steve Cohen. But I know that's not possible because the Yankees lost so much money because of COVID. So I'm like, uh, Mets fans out there, I know you're listening to me right now. Mets fans, you guys are like unbelievably lucky. And I don't get to say that much as a Yankees fan because we're like the evil empire and we always have the best team. But like, oh, the Mets are just going to be like, oh, they are coming for our butts so hard. The next few years is going to be so excruciating. But Enough of the diamond. I'll worry about that later. Let's get into the national championship and the moment you have all been waiting for. My prediction for it. Mac Jones and the Tide going up against Justin Fields and Ohio State. First, let's talk about Bama. I'll keep this short and quick because I've already described these three guys before in earlier episodes and in this one too. So if you want to go check that out, go ahead. But I'll give you a taste of it now if you don't want to check those out. The three guys are Mac Jones... Najee Harris, and Devontae Smith. Two of them were Heisman nominees, arguably should have been three, and one of them won. Those three are what makes this offense blossom, and what better way to end their seasons than go out and put video game numbers on the board like they've done all season, because that's what they're capable of. On the Ohio State side, their offense can be just as good. Say what you want about them and the fact that they shouldn't get a spot in the playoff, which I kind of agree with. Their team is national championship quality. Justin Fields is going to potentially be a top five pick in this year's draft and has been going crazy in the last few games. The receivers and tight ends better get those hands ready because Fields would try and find them when they least expect it. And because of this, I think this game will be a slugfest. And drumroll please, my winner for the 2021 National Championship is... 
Alabama Crimson Tide. They won their first championship since 2017 when I think Derrick Henry was on their team last. Well, guys, that is just about it for another episode of the House of Bars podcast. Please, please, please drop a follow or subscribe if you haven't already and tell your friends and family about the podcast as well because we're trying to get as much support as we can out here. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram at House of Ballers, H-O-U-Z-Z-O-F-B-A-L-L-E-R-Z-Z. Let me spell it again. H-O-U-Z-Z-O-F-B-A-L-L-E-R-Z-Z. All right, guys, go have some fun. Go crazy this weekend because I'm excited to watch some sports. I This is this is the best feeling I've had. Uh this is the best. This is probably one of the best weekends in sports right now, at least in my opinion, in 2021. And we're just getting started. So I hope I hope you guys have fun this weekend and next week, and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Like